Hello again and welcome once again to the Let's Represent podcast and happy Pride Month to everyone. Uh, today I have a super fantastic guest. I feel like I'm going to be laughing my ass off during this entire show since she has such a lovely way with words uh, and I think I will let her use those words to introduce herself. Hi, um, my name is Tina Kakadelis. Um, I am a grocery store manager by day and then a writer by night. I've written uh, two books, two young adult coming of age books about a teenage lesbian, but they're not coming out stories. And that's what I really liked about your book, actually, because I've been reading it on and off on all day. And it's just, it's so refreshing to read a book where it's like a normal thing, like the whole chaos and basically existential crisis of being gay she's already over with and you're just writing with her there are more existential crises to happen aside from just coming out there's everything else with graduating from high school and then figuring out where you want to go to college having a crush and like that's the thing that kind of always bothered me when I because I came out when I was about well I came out when I was 18 but I knew that I was gay when I was 15 and like I looked for a lot of books that made it past the coming out story but I couldn't ever find any and I think that's basically why I decided to write these books. I'm really happy you did and it's really a hilarious book. I would actually like to touch a little bit on the fact that there really aren't that many books that the coming out story like for the that are beyond the coming out story. It's like the coming out story is yeah. the story it's like the only story you ever hear it's either the coming out story or well if you're that's reading it. romance novels it's it's basically getting the girl and that's yeah. about it it's like there's not much past that and you know only recent in the recent years have I actually seen stuff that explored relationships beyond that like it just it's, it's crazy how long it takes people to get over the fact that yes you can be gay right and then even with that though I mean when you watch TV shows, because I watch a lot of TV shows, I feel like this is terrible, but even though I write books, I don't read a lot of books. <laughs> but um, I feel like in TV shows, too, a lot of the times, once the character comes out, they don't tend to get a storyline centered on themselves unless it's about their how gay they are. You know, they don't, you don't really get to learn too much about characters except for the fact that they're gay. And that's kind of sad. I mean, Supergirl is the first one that comes to mind because I'm a big fan of that show. But just the way that they treated Maggie through the entirety of the second season just kind of limited her to play the girlfriend, which is not great. And it's kind of sad. I, I absolutely hate that. Like, it's just like every show has like one gay character and then any other gay character there is just to validate the fact that the character A is gay. Yes. You know, it's just, it's that relationship, it's the getting to know you, it's the goofy flirting sometimes when it's done correctly, but a lot of times it's, or at least in American television, there's not a lot after that. No. Nope. Like, and pe some people would try to argue with me, that, like, that's kind of how it is with straight people, relationships in TV too, and I'm just like, I will argue that, because <laughs> I've seen entire series where they went from to crushes, to partners, to literal lovers, and then they had a freaking baby. Like, right. it's Bones, for instance. I love that show. Oh, and it's just that's like... That's what I just thought of, too. Oh, good. We're on so the same yeah. page. Look at that. <laughs> but yes, and it's just like, I I beg to differ. There's there's a lot more out there. Just, just like, it's amazing that just in recent years, to watch 
there be a relationship past them getting together is so breathtakingly refreshing. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think the first one that, like, I genuinely liked where it felt like these were two actual characters instead of just, like, archetypes of a gay person was Orphan Black. I loved Orphan Black so much. I think Tatiana Maslany is fantastic. But Cosima and Delphine, they actually felt like real characters who, even if you took them out of their relationship, they would still be interesting. They would still have a purpose within the show as opposed to just being there to kind of fill like a diversity, being like, hey, look at us, we have gay characters. But Orphan Black was like, hey, look at us, we have interesting characters that are women that happen to fall under some part of the LGBT umbrella and they're fun and they're interesting and they're an integral part of the show. True, true. I actually haven't watched all of that show. What? And where I know, I just I don't have time for TV. It's kind of awful. I'm like like I like the fact that I I watch other people watch TV. I'm like a like <laughs> My hobbies are watching people's live tweets, so I don't have to watch the show myself, <laughs> which is ridiculous. It's like it's like the skim for TV, where it's just like, give me the excerpt of what happened here. And I, no, I get that. I get that. Like, I, I will binge watch some things, and there's some things I will literally put myself into the experience. Like I got really, really into the television drama from Argentina that was Los Australios that had a oh. wonderful... Wonderful gay couple in it. Ah, I'm reliving it now because one of the actresses for that won an award for her performance. Oh no way! Everywhere, all over my timeline. It's crazy. It's it's a great show. I definitely suggest it unless you're one of those people that don't like subtitles. Because no, um, the whole show is in Spanish. Sad foreign French films are my favorite genre of films. <laughs> so love subtitles. Sometimes I feel like foreign films i don't know if this was just a 90s style but just didn't quite grasp what lesbian or gay woman was no <laughs> a lot of those shows it's like yeah they're totally gay for each other i read those those subtitles and their body language that doesn't that doesn't look like gay like no. that doesn't look like gay. it looks like yeah she maybe had feelings for her but she uh she totally went off with that dude and had a baby with him like I mean, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure those stories exist for someone, but it's like, it's not like a, felt like a cop-out. I mean, that's also Hollywood throughout the 90s. That's so like, true. You got Bring It On, you got Ben mm-hmm. Beckham, you got a whole mess of just disappointments. The Beckham one, I don't know why the title all of a sudden escapes me now that you just said it. But oh, Benjamin like Beckham. Benjamin like Beckham. I I think that woman committed suicide in the other movie. I don't know. I like I try to suppress Wait, all the did? bad all the bad movies I've seen. So I don't know if I'm talking about that one or another. Bad no, Benjamin like Beckham's the soccer one with Keira Knightley and short hair. I don't okay. think. Maybe I'm thinking about Girl Interrupted because I've seen so many of them. That's a lot darker. <laughs> That's a lot darker. <laughs> I don't know. I like '90s lesbian sitcoms. They kind of like blur together in my mind. Because it's like all of them kind of in trashy, so it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember which ones I've watched and which ones they're, they belong to. I feel like a bad lesbian because 
I only just started watching the L word, and I feel like you've talked about this in your podcast before. How you don't really like the L word? I don't. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I made it through the cruise episode, and that's where I stopped. And I was like, I can't do this. I mean, you're a stronger person than I am, because it was just like, woo. Like I, I, I feel like every a lesbian kind of goes to that phase where we're like, okay, I'm a lesbian. I need to watch the L word because that's what we think the guidelines are, or something like it's right. the only. It's the only huge pop culture reference that every lesbian, for some reason, thinks is the beginning. And it's it's a bad example. It's a yeah. bad example for people. Like, woof. I waited seven years after coming out to watch it. I don't know why I decided this was the year. But I came back from Clexicon and I was like, yeah, I'm going to start watching The L Word. And it's just Tina... Tina was my least favorite character, and I was so mad because there's so few characters that I share a name with. Uh, she was just awful. And I only really like Dana, and I think that was it. I I can't remember who it was that I liked in that show, actually. I think I think I kind of didn't like any of them, and that was the problem. Um, yeah. I liked I think I liked Alice. I think Alice was the one that I liked, but I'm like, you have too much time on your hands. And then Bet, like I loved how Bet was until the whole cheating thing happened. And then I was yes. like, "There's nothing good in this fucking show. No, there's no. nothing good in this show." Like I was like, Bet no. and Tina broke up, and I was just like, "That's it. I'm done." <laughs> and I like vicariously was like, "Should I even give this show another try?" And I looked through everything, and I'm like, "I don't think they got back together." And I'm like, "This is fine." Fine, you can make your artistic decisions as much as you want, but I will not participate in them. No, and I feel like I haven't watched like any. Like I never watched Buffy. I never oh, watched. That's a shame. I, my sister is huge, so my sister is like the lesbian Ron Swanson, like hundred percent Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation, who is who she aspires to be, oh and like she does woodworking. She does welding. I, if she could grow a mustache, I'm sure that she would. But, like, <laughs> she loves Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I, it was always on, like, when we were growing up. And I just, I never got into it. But she watched it constantly. I, I mean, so I, I've never I seen that. I could never get seen it. Elwood, never seen South of Nowhere. Like, I. <laughs> I didn't watch South of Nowhere either. I didn't have time for all those shows. I don't understand people who can, like, sit down and be like, my program's on and watch it religiously. Like, I... Internet has spoiled me. I'm only that way about The Bachelorette, which... (laughs) (laughs) Which is ridiculous. I'm waiting for the all-female version of The Bachelorette. When that happens, I will watch that show. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I would love that. I would 100% love that. I would go on it. I've already told my parents that I would go on it. Like, (laughs) you know, we'll disown you. (laughs) Why would they disown you? You're just selling love for hundreds of millions of dollars. Dad, do you see where they get to go? They get to travel all around the world. Of course I will do that. And they're like, you know, why are you like this? Why are you like this? I mean,. There are worse things, I guess, to be disowned for than deciding you wanted to go on The Bachelorette. Exactly. But they think my parents are very odd in their priorities. My mother does not, like, they don't like the heat. And, like, we're from the East Coast, so we never really traveled to the South. And, like, they, they, they don't like the South because of just, like, you know, the racism. But I, I feel you. 
exactly. Can't blame him. Support him 100%. But my mom was upset when I started drinking sweet tea because she was like, it's from the South. <laughs> what the? Uh, I, hate, I hate to tell you this, Tina, but your sweet tea uh-huh. is not the same as our sweet tea. <laughs> Wait, what's your sweet tea? Our sweet tea is like de- diabetic coma sweet tea. Like you'll taste yeah, it and you'll be like, holy fuck. That's the sweet tea I like. I don't like people that just like make iced tea. People that make iced tea without sweetening it, I don't get it. It blows my mind. I, unless I'm having like a cup of English tea, I don't understand how people don't put sweetener and stuff. Like, have you ever tried Red Diamond sweet tea? No. This is this is your homework. Find Red Diamond sweet tea, which might not be up there. And I would I tell you it's probably the best. Huh? I don't know if they have that in LA. They Maybe. don't tend to have unhealthy things in LA. <laughs> It's good to know, but if you could find it, I would say get it because that's the best example of like a bottled manufactured version of like Southern sweet tea. It's, it's crazy. It's like, don't, don't even look at the label when you drink it. <laughs> I was going to say, I just Googled it and I a hundred percent know that they do not have this anywhere. <laughs> There's no way with the amount of like sparkling water that people out here drink, the amount of money that people blow out here on like green juices, sparkling water, like camel milk. I saw in a grocery store the other day, and I was wow. like, "Wow, that's exotic!" You know, I'll do I'll do a switch with you. I'll I'll send you like a little bottle of red di- or red diamond sweet tea, and you. S- I was gonna say send me the camel milk, but I don't know how long that lasts, so I'm gonna say never mind. I have no idea. How long does where it expire? That? I have no. Where did it come from? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, actually, I can't say that because Texas is a weird place where they like think that it can almost fit into the safari zone. Like you go far enough west and it's kind of deserty, so they're like, you know what? We'll put exotic animals over here. So you'll like run across petting zoos on the side of the road that have like cameras and zebras and shit, and you're just like, why is this here? No. Like in the in the town where my family lives, there's like. A tiger zoo there. There's like a tiger, like a big cat rescue resort, and it's like this is Texas. Why are there tigers here? What? <laughs> I mean, if you go to the right area of Texas, you're gonna find a deadly animal that probably shouldn't be there. Like wild cats, and are actually kind of scary around here because there's. I was say, I don't think you have to look that hard. It sounds like. <laughs> well, tigers are are uncommon, but I can tell you that like. Um, Pumas. Pumas are a little bit of a problem. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, when I, used to, when I used to live in the country, uh, when I was little, they literally told me, if you ever go outside and you hear something screaming in the woods, don't go towards it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And apparently, when pumas, like, yell, if you're far away enough, it sounds like a screaming woman. And apparently... <laughs> <laughs> don't live in the country in Texas, people. Oh, 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 no. Like you're gonna run into rednecks or pumas. It's not safe. JK. Um uh, but yeah, it's it's nice to have donkeys around. <laughs> Let me I guess I should put context clues into that. Donkeys are mean. <laughs> donkeys are mean. Anything that donkeys don't like, they will kick and they will actually kill them. Like there's actually been my friend has told me stories of the donkeys they've had when he was younger and they would go outside like to go to school one day and there would be like a dead coyote in the side of their property because the it went into their property and the donkey just went after it like crazy what it's crazy i know like the animals here like they're like oh cute donkeys oh cute horses they're deadly 
I would have never thought that about a donkey. That's that's usually why they keep donkeys with horses, because horses are... <laughs> I have horses. Horses are prey animals, and they know it. So regardless of the fact that they're huge, they'll usually run away from things. But donkeys apparently are under the impression that they're invincible. And if they decide they don't like you, they will kick you, and it actually gets quite dangerous. Whoa. Who knew? <laughs> Welcome to Southern Living. <laughs> God, I wish I lived in the city. I'll just take my kale and green juice. And... <laughs> I'll trade you for like a day. We'll do a house swap. It'll be great. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, why am I doing this? I love where I live. <laughs> Again, we're getting a little off topic here. Let's let's go back to the gay. Because somehow I always sidetrack and get stuck in this. This is country living. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, anyway. Should we name your podcast Country Living? Oh, dear God. I would have to, like, <laughs> wrestle with the pioneer woman now. And I don't, this is how I know I'm in the country because when you go into the Walmarts, there'll be literal catalogs from, like, you know, uh, like the Homestyle magazines. There's yeah. this woman called the Pioneer Woman that's just, she's become so famous for having a yeah, cooking the blog. Network. Yeah, oh my God. She's on the Food Network. I forgot that she's even gotten bigger. She's like, <laughs> she's like the country queen now. You'll, I'm pretty sure Paula Dean just, like, lost her place because she made those racist comments. But the Pioneer, Pioneer woman, woman is, like, arisen. She's just, like, it's it's She crazy. has. I watch her show. I watch Food Network constantly. Oh, I love Food Network. I, I'm under the impression that if you're not in love with, like, competitive cooking, then you don't know what it feels like to have a crush on, like, one of the judges. Like, one of the celebrity chef judges. Because I've had those problems. Wait, 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 which celebrity judge do you have a crush on? Okay, so I, I watch um, crack, or Chopped. Oh my god, not Cracked. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I watch Chopped a lot. Like, that's, that's kind of what me and my wife do when we're eating. Like, for some reason, yeah. we, like, make, the, make ourselves even hungrier and kind of sad about our own food by watching Chopped. <laughs> but we do it. And let me tell you, the judges on there, like the female judges, like, I don't know how, but every time, like, every time there's a panel of, like, all men, we're just like, we should probably skip this episode. Yep. <laughs> but literally, I, Amanda Freitag, though she looks like a really nice person, she is vicious when she's, she's critiquing so people. She is so vicious, and I love her for it. <laughs> like, she's such a sweetheart, and then she gets to your food, and then she's like no <laughs> no this was awful her and the other judge whose name escapes me now I was gonna say I can tell you mine because go for I it. also watch chop because oh I also deeply love one of the judges tell me um Alex Guanicelli yes you know what I couldn't pronounce her last name for the longest time so I just called her harpy judge because she's always like <laughs> meticulous and vicious and I love her for it do you follow oh her god. on twitter no i don't i need to oh my god follow her on twitter because i don't know if it's like a performance bit or if like she just doesn't fully get twitter but like she'll respond to people and they'll be like alex i just made this like homemade apple pie from your cookbook doesn't it look so good like thank you i love you and then she'll just retweet it and write looks great no period, no exclamation point. Just like, no. <laughs> so 
then like a year ago, I was like, I'm going to get Alex Coranchelli to notice me on Twitter with the most mediocre food. <laughs> so I would tweet a picture of a breakfast sandwich every single morning <laughs> until Alex Coranchelli noticed me. <laughs> oh my God. Is it from, so from she our did. like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, looks good. Love home style cooking or something, which I think is her way of saying this looks terrible. You should oh never cook again. God, this was not what we were supposed to be talking about. I'm sorry, Food Network. Just no, no. This is wonderful because if you can't, if you can't talk about, you know, your crushes on celebrity chefs with a random stranger, what world do we live in? Um, a world I don't want to be a part of. Like exactly, it's a world I don't want to be a part of, but. Now that I've gotten that off my chest, because I can tell you, if any kind of, like, competitive cooking show, I've probably watched it. Like, I just, like, I just finished watching, um, Zumbo's Just Desserts. Oh, my God. No, that, I've been on a House Hunters kick. That, that, that's just a trip. Um, oh, House Hunters. I wish I could get more into that, but my, my wife's father is, like, a, a brickie, which is someone who lays bricks, um, Oh, scratch that. I hope she doesn't hear me say that. He he does roofs, but her uncle does bricks. Whatever. Whatever. I her, Their terminology over there, like, goes over my head sometimes. But it's like we can't watch those shows because she's just like, what are they doing? Exactly. They're like, what are they doing? It's like they're they're messing around with the floors, but they're not even talking about their foundation. And I'm just like, honey, this is America. We just like the performance. It's not it doesn't matter that the product is actually shit. And she's exactly. like, that is what's wrong here. <laughs> my wife is so funny. <laughs> oh man. And my wife is from England. I don't know if I said that. But yeah. But um I don't know. For some reason, getting into house building shows is hard, especially after they have a show in England that's literally called Cowboy Builders, what? which is which is so funny because I'm like, you're in Texas. The terminology Cowboy Builders is actually very bad. It's actually very bad. It's the people that they hire to like build stuff for their houses, and they literally either do a, such a shitty job that somebody has to come in and replace the whole thing, or worse, they'll take your money, do two weeks of work, and then never come back. And I'm just like, what? this is the scariest thing I've ever seen. I'm just like, how do people not get sued over there? <laughs> and apparently, like, I'm so, like, I'm like, they didn't do their job. Freaking sue them. And she's like, you know, this is what's wrong with your country. And I'm just like, I didn't make a show about how people, like, take your money and don't build your house. <laughs> like, how is it still on the air? I how how is the show still on the air? My question is how how why is there so many people whose houses don't get apparently there's a huge problem in getting trustworthy contractors over there. But I I I literally recommend it for you to watch. Like it sounds right up my alley. It's it's crazy and it's wonderful at the same time and the host is like really hilarious for how dire the situations usually are. (laughs) Like she's like, okay, I'm gonna go get the supplies and she'll literally go into random places and beg them to donate goods or and or discount them a lot and it's like she is she's a she's like a a, like i don't know what to say she makes magic happen because it it might be the pressure of the camera but they're always like fine we'll donate you know 600 pounds of bricks whatever and i'm just like what 
what is this? And what's even, what he gets me is like, the names of the businesses aren't even on there. So it's like, they're not even getting publicity. I'm like, <laughs> are people in England just nice people? I don't understand this. I'm not familiar. Like, do people are just like, yes, we must go against the cowboy builders. Like, <laughs> what the hell is my I podcast I hope this about? is on Hulu. I so <laughs> desperately hope this is on Hulu. Last place, I watched watch it, it. last place I watched it was actually YouTube. And it kind of makes me sad after a while. But, like, ooh, my wife gets fired up when we watch that show. She, like, literally will watch it and be like, my father would never let that happen. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch her so passionate about it. I love it. Anyway, let's jump to what the conversation is supposed to be about, shall we? (laughs) Um, Back back to gay women. Yes. Or queer women. It doesn't even matter. Just back to ladies. Let's get back to the ladies. Let's do it. You probably get this question all the time, because it's like whenever anyone decides to do a job that's remotely creative worthy people always ask so what made you want to do this like no one asks an accountant why they decided to do things but please by all means let let me ask this question to you probably for the hundredth time yeah let's do it um I and this is always the worst answer to this question because so I have a major I have a degree in hospitality management I don't know why that's just what happened after four years of college um and I wasn't really a big fan of it, and I would always find myself writing to distract myself in class. Um, I was a good student. Stay in school, everyone. Unless school's not for you. Um, but I just kind of ended up writing to distract myself, and then as I wrote more, I kind of realized that these were all kind of interconnected, definitely in the same voice, and that if I put a little effort into it, I could have, I could make it into uh, like an actual story. And so... I think I was venting to my mom once and I'm blessed with a mother who is a copy editor and a father who says that he has no artistic skills, but designed both book covers for me. Um, and I love those and book covers. Them. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I love both. No, you're covers. fine. My dad's going to love that because as many times as I've said that the book covers are great. He doesn't believe me because well, I'm his I, I, I have a degree in visual communications. It's actually what I should be doing right now and those those book covers are gorgeous to me like simplicity is really more eye-catching than a lot of detail these days anyway yeah. sorry dad you hear that I know you're gonna listen to this eventually hopefully hi dad <laughs> anyway I, I love the book covers I really do they really they actually sum up the story really well or at least yeah, her like at them. least the main character's love of music so exactly that's I love that um but yeah, so I just ended up, I was venting to my mom one day and I was like, I love teen rom-coms. This is going to be a very back and forth of me talking about nonsense, but I love teen rom-coms and I was complaining that there were no rom-coms for gay people and like, especially young teens that are like not focused on coming out and like just happen to be about a teenage gay person or LGBT, what any sort of anything that wasn't just like a straight white person. Um, My mom was like, you've always written. Why don't you write? And I was like, well, I kind of have started something. And she was like, great, email it to me. And I was like, uh, okay, mom, (laughs) we'll see about that. And then like another month or so went by, my mom kept being like, send it to me, send it to me, send it to me. So eventually I just kind of caved and sent it to her. And she was like, you know, this is, this is pretty good. And I was like, oh, 
cool, let's never speak about it again. And then she was like, no, we're going to. So I owe a lot of this to my mother. Uh, thank you, mom. Shout out to both of my parents. Um, and then she was like, I'm, we're, we're going to turn this into a book. And so I guess I've always been writing, but like as far as creating this book, it kind of just came out of a little bit of boredom of college and then a little bit love for teenage rom-coms and desire to see that in the world. And I do, I do love that. I, like I was reading the book and it's, it's very funny. <laughs> like there's, there's not a page that goes by that doesn't seem to have a punchline in it. So your, your mother wasn't just like telling you softly that you were great. It actually is really great. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know why you needed me to say that, but <laughs> I just want to, like, I'm just really about telling people that they did a really great job. Even if they heard it a thousand times before, I just like. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. It's just, it's funny. Like it's, there's so much pop culture and there's so much music in it too. Like a lot of times I had to like, I was very tempted to stop reading and look up what song you were talking about, but I was like, nope, keep reading, keep reading. And I, well, I love the how... real goal of the book was actually just to push the Bruce Springsteen agenda onto like a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been, I hate to say this on a podcast where people are going to hear it forever, but I am not a teenager anymore. I haven't been for a while, but reading this, it actually made me feel almost like a teenager again because it had a lot of the things in it that are important to teenagers like sometimes you'll you'll read things from people that are supposed to be from the eyes of a teenager and it doesn't quite feel like it because when you're younger yeah. you really obsess over those things you obsess over your favorite song you obsess over what's happening like pop culture like social media and it's it has all the things that a teenager you know, what it feels like to be a teenager, which is the obsession with all these different, like, non-important, I can't even say non-important, because even today, I'm like, I love music, I love certain kind of music, I love just all sorts of things, and it's just, it's nice to read a book where that obsession that you feel when you're not burdened by, like, jobs and money yeah. all the time, and it's just, it's nice to go back to that place and, like, really feel like you're living through it again. The good old days. The good old days. Uh, so I actually haven't read your second book yet. The second book is about her in college, right? So I'm, I feel like the tone is going to change a little bit, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I mean, no spoilers. No spoilers. I'm not um, going to talk about it. But yeah, it does. It kind of focuses more on her uh, the kind of figuring out I don't, I don't know how to explain it without giving too much of the bulk of it away but it's kind of her more so she figured out well I don't want to spoil the book if you haven't finished it yet well the second book you know the synopsis of the book is like on the book it's kind of hard not to know what the second book's going to be about so. <laughs> so it's kind of just more her finding her footing um as far as having a dream and like starting to make it more of a reality and like understand that it's not uh it's not like a set steps that she has to take that it's kind of she has to she has to grow and she's a little afraid of growing because she's a little freshman in college and everybody's afraid of growing and then it's about you know when you're in college and you have to like make friends again for the very first time because you haven't really I mean at least for me because I grew up in the same place since kindergarten through senior year of high school Ooh, and like, scary. you make friends 
but like they're kind of the same friends that you've or people that you've always known. Um, and then when you go to college, all of a sudden, if you go out of state, you're entirely alone. And it's like learning how to make friends again, learning how to find yourself again now that you're outside of your little safety net of home. I think I'm going to enjoy reading that book, too, because your character in this book is very funny. I also really like the family dynamic in it, because it also feels like a real family, you know? Like, sometimes you'll read books, and the mom's dad's just there to be a piece of the plot, and it's just like, it feels very real. Like, the whole the whole book just has a vibe. It, it does feel like a rom-com. It has, like, a rom-com feel to it without being, like, one-dimensional. Di- that's, like, that's what I wanted. I wanted, like... I wanted it to be the high school rom-com. I mean, I watched all of the greats. I watched She's All That. I watched Clueless. I watched, oh gosh, but I mean, She's the Man. I watched everything. I love rom-coms. I think they're great. And (laughs) (laughs) I adore them. And I will take nobody talking down about them. But I just wanted it to be that, where it's like carefree in the sense that the stakes aren't ever extraordinarily high. It's not life or death. You know, the lesbian's not going to die in the end of it. Hallelujah. But, <laughs> but it's just, it yeah, it's just about fun and growing up. And I mean, the stakes are high in the sense that everything when you're 17 years old feels like it's the end of the world, but that everything ends up being okay at the end. I just love that about high school. Like, it's like you've been in school for so long. You're just like, when this ends, everything ends. And it's just like, JK, there's a <laughs> there's a whole new world out there. Everything really big and flowy and nothing nothing makes sense. Yeah. But, but it keeps going on. It's, even after the end of the world. <laughs> it's it's nice. It's really, it's a really nice read. Like, it's very... It's a very easy read, and yet it's very funny at the same time. Like, there's so many pop culture references, I just stopped twice to try to remember what happened. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not a super pop culture person. Like, I can tell you pretty much any reference that probably came out of the 90s, but sometimes when it's, like, current events, I'm just like, what happened? I'm trying to think. I know there's a lot. I know that I also mentioned House Hunters in it, because sometimes I just can't help myself. I also love that you mentioned the TV shows that she watched because that actually influences teenagers a lot. Exactly. Oh my gosh, so much. Like, it's just, this This is one of the things I really like because I was really into the fan fiction community. And for some reason, when you go between fan fiction and actually published works, there's like, you can see this big difference. And it's it's almost in like in the writing style where some authors are just really afraid to mention brands or like, Mm-hmm. anything like I, I'm not sure what the politics are there where people are like okay you have to tell them that they're eating just regular cereal and not like their favorite <laughs> fruity pebbles that reminds them of their mother or some crazy shit <laughs> like like you 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 put in there like oh this is my favorite characters like tv shows and they actually end up quoting it and stuff and that makes sense because when you're younger pff, when you're a living human being you tend to quote right. your favorite tv shows right and that's so funny like I'm trying not to give any spoilers and I'm just like Erica calm down <laughs> I mean like I think as far as because I live and breathe pop, pop culture I love pop culture I love watching movies I love all of that and like and I love music too I really really I mean I really like 80s music a lot of Carly the main character is just kind of my personality and like my favorite things funneled into a fictional character um but 
I think I originally wanted to do um, lyrics as the titles of each chapter instead of the the song names that it is now. But that is where I think as far as like publishing and like rights go, and like having to pay for stuff, that's where they draw the line. But like you can say as much, you can list off as many things as you want. You just can't like direct quote things, I believe. I would hope your mom as a copywriter would let you know. Um, <laughs> I think she did. She did. Because I originally had uh, like parts from lyrics from the songs, um, from each song as the title of the chapter. And she was like, you have to change this. Ah, thank you, mom. Thank you. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> so, so you were saying that the book reflects a lot about who you are. So what was your experiences like? Like not to not to be like, well, let's ask you about your coming out, even though the books is not about coming out, but just whatever, <laughs> just whatever you want to share. Yeah, um, I feel like I figured out that I was gay around my soft no. What year did I take that class? Sophomore or junior year. Um, my sister came out. My sister is also gay. Um, my sister came out first. Um, I don't think anybody was shocked. I'm pretty sure my mom said that her and, like, a neighbor friend, like, took bets on when Michelle was going to come out. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she was the obvious one. I was the wild card. Um, but I th- so she came out first. So, like, the idea was kind of there. And But, like, we're very, very different. Like I said, Michelle is, like, the lesbian Ron Swanson I didn't want to learn how to change a tire because I was wearing nice pants and I didn't want to nail on the ground. Oh my so God. We're very different. <laughs> we're very different. Um, but like I saw her, like the one image of like what the only lesbian I knew looked like. And I was like, I don't look like that. So that can't be what I am. And, but then there was a very cute girl in one of my classes, my sophomore year. And I was like, wait a second (laughs) (laughs) wait a second um and then I kind of figured it out after that I didn't feel the need to come out until I started dating this girl my freshman year of college and then I sent my parents an email and was like hey do you remember that girl that you just met yesterday who I said was a friend great we're dating I'm sorry (laughs) um that's a great story (laughs) and then they were like can you call us and I was like sure what do you want to talk about (laughs) (laughs) um no they're great though they they're really awesome um so yeah I kind of came out then I came out to a friend um my Thanksgiving break of my freshman year of college I went to an all-women's college my freshman year well then um so I think that I think everybody knew, like all the upperclassmen, like figured it out. They're like, this kid's for sure gay. She uh-huh. doesn't know it yet. <laughs> or like doesn't say it yet. But so I think other people figured out I was out because I wasn't necessarily saying that I was straight. I wasn't really saying anything. Um, and then I started dating somebody. And that's kind of my coming out experience. Aww. <laughs> That's that's cute though. That's cute. I just I just want to go back to the beginning where you said you saw this one picture of a lesbian, and clearly you said you couldn't be that. And this is this is one of the reasons that representation is so damn important. 
Oh yeah. So so damn important. Like not not everyone is going to be the hot white character, the hot white female that happens to be a lesbian. Like there's so many different kinds of people out there and it's 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 just people don't really grasp how important it is to someone to see themselves, like the kind of validation that you get in knowing someone has a similar experience. I'm trying to think. Uh I feel like the first time that like I saw somebody and I don't I was I made the assumption that she was gay when I was like seven sixteen. I don't know if she was, but I feel like she had to be. Because it was when my family went to New York for Christmas and we saw Hair the Musical. I don't know why my parents took me to see Hair the Musical at sixteen, but it's now one of my favorite musicals. But I remember this woman came and sat in front of us and she had like uh like nice I think they must have been like men's dress shoes, but they're like shiny brown dress shoes and like nice ankle pants, ankle pants and a uh, button up tucked into the pants and like a nice belt and then have like the the equal equality sign tattooed on her wrist. And I was like, that is what I want to be when Aww. I grow up. <laughs> I was like, this is it. So like, I think, I mean, you're right. Representation seen more than one version of just who you can grow up to be and it's very very important yeah and I'm I'm really I'm really hoping that your that your books do that for some people because it's such a nice read and it's so nice to read something where it's like completely normalized like it like it actually is in the world like it's not a huge crisis like you can have a loving family you can have a regular dreadful high school experience like you can you and the world goes on like you don't have to have an existential crisis where you feel like the entire world is against you because when you're a teenager it's very easy to get into that place exactly I just hope one day that somebody picks up your book and just really feels validated in their lives I hope so I hope so because I feel like if I wrote it for like my 15 year old self like that's at the end of the day that's who I wish could have read it. The like the kid that looked for books that weren't sad, that weren't heavy, where like the girl actually gets the girl she wants at the end of the book and like the end of the movie. Like that's what I wanted. I wanted to see that you could be happy, that you could live a life outside of your sexuality and like a full life. And that you could get the girl that you liked. Like <laughs> I feel like I wasn't asking for much. <laughs> exactly like you see that for like I I have unfortunately gotten to the stage in my life where it's hard to watch movies that are very explicitly catered to men because I know what the signs are now and you know exactly (laughs) who this movie is for because god forbid my my wife turned on Baywatch because my brother like invited himself into our house started it and then left rude who raised this child (laughs) and then my wife just started watching it I tried to watch it with her and it was like even though the women were hideously objectified it was like I couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't get into any of it because there was not a single scene that was not about like literally a woman with bouncing boobs which yay I'm a girl I like looking at that stuff <laughs> but then it's like immediately after that happened it would immediately pan over to a man and his reaction to it it's like they couldn't give it to me for like five minutes right. without reminding me who this is for and it was right. It was so awful. Like, I wanted to enjoy the movie, and then it was like, you see the standardized, goofy-ass guy getting together with the really hot chick. 
Yep. And it was just like every time. And my wife was like, why did that happen? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm just like, have you not seen movies? This is, this is what happens. This is any what happens. Movie? Like, you just got to be incredibly funny. And then you get the girl, which I will contest that works for every sexuality. <laughs> because <laughs> let me tell you, I don't understand how I scored my wife, but I would like to think I'm funny. I don't know. Jokes, jokes win every time. Exactly. My parents did watch Baywatch too. Um, I will say really? the part of my book where the dad loves Zac Efron is not <laughs> fictionalized. That's just straight up taken from my own life. Because my, dad, <laughs> my dad is a great man and he loves Zac Efron. We are a pro Zac Efron household. Um, <laughs> they watch Baywatch <laughs> just for Zac Efron. I I support your dad and all of his decisions. <laughs> I mean, God loves Zac Efron. My my sister got him for Christmas one year, like a one of those. It's probably very anti-religious, and I'm so sorry, but one of those uh, prayer candles. But it's Zac Efron's face oh instead. My God, <laughs> she got it from Etsy, and it's great. I hope he puts that somewhere where he can explain that to people. <laughs> It should be right in the front and center of their home. Like, just like, right when you come in, you'll put your keys on the table. There's just like a candle with Zac Efron's face on it. Be like, oh, I that's mean, right. You have girls is... here. It's just like, no, both of my daughters are lesbians. <laughs> I, I think I have to take blame for it because I loved High School Musical. I still love High School Musical currently. Um, okay. I think High School Musical is great. High School Musical 3 is the best High School Musical I have very strong opinions on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's why he loves that guy, <laughs> I think it's my fault. I mean, I support him. I support him. My mom doesn't. She said Baywatch is miserable. And I was like, yeah, it probably was. I didn't see it. <laughs> I, you didn't really miss anything except for The Rock taking himself too fucking seriously. I, I will tell you this, the bad guy in that movie, she is probably the only reason to watch that movie. She seems to be the only character who doesn't know that she's in the Baywatch movie. And she's, like, very serious, and she's actually pretty threatening. And Isn't she's... Bianca Chopra? I think I'm gonna... I don't know. I don't know, but she played a drug lord, and it's just... Ugh. She was the reason to watch the movie. She was the only character who wasn't overly sexualized by a man she had control of herself the entire time and i was very sad when she got blew up spoiler <laughs> alert i was sad because she owned that shit and i was just like she knew she didn't know she was in a baywatch movie like i feel bad for her like is, there should be like a villain's anonymous for villains who did not know what fucking movie they were in like she shot a whole other movie they told her it was something else they, <laughs> and then they, they were actually have. no we're gonna edit it into the baywatch remake like she must have. Like, the hero, like, said a stupid-ass goofy scene that was near the climax. Like, he was saying a bunch of shit to distract her. And she literally looked at him and said, how tacky. And I was just like, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what movie she's in. I'm just, like, ruining Baywatch for anyone who ever watches it. But she is the reason to watch that movie. Like, if you could just cut out everyone else's scenes, that's it. It's great. She could have been a Bond villain, but no. But, but no. no. Anyway, Zach Efron. <laughs> That's fine. He was he was okay in that movie. Oh, Zach, <laughs> making the family proud. <laughs> so you told us how you came out, and but when right. after you came out, did anything change for you in that respect? Did anything happen that you expected or didn't expect? 
I feel like I had no expectations. And I think that's mostly because my sister came out first. So, like, I kind of already got to gauge, like, the family and, like, our friends that we have had that are very similar. Um, so I got to gauge all of that, really. So I don't I didn't really have any expectations for when it came out. And then since I had already kind of figured it out, I feel like I was very chill about the whole thing where I was like, this is a thing that's happened. Like as casual as I'd be like, I dyed my hair. Like, I don't know. I was weirdly not concerned, but like, I think most of that is because of my sister and because I got to see like how our family, cha- nothing changed because they're a really, really great family and I love them all to bits. You can edit that part out so they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> only, only if you want me to. Um, but that's that's so nice to hear. That's so nice to hear that that can happen. I feel like people, especially the people that are still in the closet, need to hear that. That there is a chance that everything's not going to blow up in their face. That there is a chance that, you know, you'll you'll come out and then literally nothing will change except for the yeah. feeling that you know yourself better and you feel like more of a person. And I think a big thing, too, is, like, even though, like, I didn't have a fear of my family or anything, there's still, like, a breath that everybody is holding, no matter, like, if they come out to parents that are gay or if they come out to, like, a family that's very open or they come out to a family that's not very open. You're still holding this breath that you don't realize that you're holding because it's this huge part of you that the world doesn't know. And, like only you know so you're holding this entire weight on your shoulders and then as soon as you say it out loud it kind of dissipates and like it's very it's it's something that I didn't realize I think that I guess I didn't realize that I was holding in that I was kind of only showing the world like three quarters of who I was by not being out took the words out of my mouth that's what I meant to say (laughs) that's what I meant to say but this is why you're the writer and I just talking to a mic during the day (laughs) anyway I think that's exactly what some people need to hear especially younger people or even older people that still aren't out like I came out much much later in life like I came out basically while I was still in college to myself and then when I got out of college then I decided to tell my family and it was literally in the form of by the way I'm getting married to this girl so it was like it was like they had no, you know, I can't even say they had no preparation because they just kind of already knew, but it was like that elephant in the room where they're like, if we yeah. don't talk about it, maybe it'll go away. And I was just like, uh, nope. In fact, no. In fact, I'll just go to the next state and get married. It's whatever. It's so funny. We we literally went up to Oklahoma to get married because it wasn't legal in Texas. And then a week later, boom legal in Texas and it was like I've ruined the gas mileage for nothing but you know I I wouldn't I wouldn't change that experience for the world because it's still the end is still the same I'm still married to a wonderful woman that this is not this is not about that I will I'm fortunately one of those people that if I start talking about my wife I will continue to talk about her great it's so good hearing women say my wife is like my favorite thing in the world I love it I love it I it's love so it too. Good. It's it's so hard to like. I hate when my work my job hires new coworkers because then I have to like wait 
a couple of months before I start talking about her because it's like I have to wait to figure out if should I tell these people about my personal life? Do mm-hmm. I want to? Are they assholes? Are they homophobes? What's going to happen here? Because my, yeah. my work is like semi-progressive. I don't know. I think it's because it's run by a, a foreign woman. Like she she's mm-hmm. not, well, she's been in America a very long time, but she's She's from Morocco. She knows all these different languages. She's very worldly. She's she, she's kind of like the devil wears Prada, but with less patience. Like she has her flaws. Less patience. Less patience. <laughs> she she has her flaws, but she's, you know, homophobia isn't one of them. Like you know, she's just like like literally. She this fun fun story that I've just started telling people is that during Easter, her um. Her daughter-in-laws t- took her to church because she's Jewish. So, so she's like, I guess I'll go to church because my grandkids are there. And she tried to invite me to this church because she wanted someone else to suffer with her. And and I was like, oh, I can't go to that church. And she was like, well, why not? And I'm just like, because that church literally asked everyone who was in the LGBT community to leave. And she was oh. like, What? Like, yes, that actually happened in Texas. It was in the newspapers for a long time, and a lot of people stopped going to that church as well. Because, like, regardless of what people think about Texas, we're not all assholes. (laughs) Surprisingly. (laughs) And she just wanted me to go with her, and I was like, I can't go. And she's like, that's that's not possible. Who... this is supposed to be the house of God. You can't tell who and who cannot go to the house of God. And I was like, well, you can tell them that. And literally, she came back after Easter, and she was like, yeah, so I went up to my daughter-in-law, was talking to her, and I was like, who are you to tell people that they can't freaking come to this church? And she was, I know, right? And she, like, confronted her on this crap, and they were like, oh, no, and her daughter-in-law was like, oh, no, no, they can still come, they just can't be a member of the church. And she was like, that sounds like bullshit to me. How can you tell (laughs) who and who cannot be in your church? And I'm just like, this is funny coming from a woman who was like, doesn't matter. I'm not going to go into like, like de- religious debates that I know nothing about. What a lady, though. I, I know. And she was like, yeah, I talked to her. And it's just like, that's insane. And I was like, it's so great because me and my boss don't don't get along a lot. But it was so nice to know that, you know, you can still be kind of a shitty person, but not be a homophobe. Like those two things are not the same thing. Like they're not so nominous with each other. That's crazy. Good. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. So she knows I'm a lesbian. Like within the first two weeks, she hired me. You know, she kept asking, oh, what does your husband do? What does this do? Because it's all my paperwork that, you know, I, I'm I'm married. So, right. and you know, at the first couple of times I was like, oh yeah, they, they manage at a horse barn. They do this, they do that. And, you know, after like the third time of people asking me, what does your husband do? I was just like... <laughs> I literally walked up to her. I'm like, I'm just going to let you know because you're going to find this out sooner or later. But my husband is actually a wife. And she, like, looked at me for a couple of minutes and she was like, okay. Like, she didn't (laughs) care. Like, it didn't phase her. She's like, so what does your wife do? And then I was like, the same thing that I was telling you. I didn't lie to you about anything. And she's like, okay, good. And then that was kind of it. And so, but every time we have to, like, hire a new person, I have to wait. Because once you come out once, you actually never stop coming out oh my god like you always have to wait to see if you can tell this person or not and sometimes you'll just come out and say it because you're like if this conversation is going to end i want to know right now before i waste my time (laughs) yeah yeah like i got a promotion at work and like for the interview process for it 
I was talking to this guy, this like my now boss's boss, hmm. and he was the one doing the interviewing, and he was like, "So, what do you like to do? Like, when you're not working?" And I was like, "Well, I wrote a book," and he was like, "Oh, what's it about?" And I was like, "It's a young adult coming of age novel." Because I was like, I don't want to find out that, like, he doesn't like gay people and, like, lose this interview (laughs) and, like, lose this promotion. And he was like, I mean, like, but, like, what else more is it about? And I was like, oh, gosh. And then I kind of was like, you know what? If I'm going to lose it because I'm gay, I'm just going to lose it because I'm gay. Like, I'm going to have, I'm going to say it. And so I was like, it's, and I went into, like, my whole spiel of, like, I love teen rom-coms because... (laughs) even in job interviews, let me tell you how much I love teen rom-coms. <laughs> um, and like, so I explained it to him and he was like, oh, that's really awesome. But like having in that split second to decide, do I want to come out to my boss's boss about who I am and like tell him this personal thing about me? And I don't think that I'm in the closet, but it's still not something that I feel like I have to share with everybody. Um, it was just a weird, it was a weird moment. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the other part of this book that I haven't ran into yet with her just having to continue to come out. But as you said, you like this this girl has been with the same people since she was in freaking kindergarten, right? So I mean, if somebody doesn't already know what you are, I don't feel like the school gossipers at school that day, like <laughs> they're gonna know. They're gonna they're gonna people know. That you grew up with they they know. They knew before you knew, and it's very frustrating when you finally come out to them. <laughs> like, that's what happened to my, to, to the friends I had in high school. I, like, finally came out to them. Like, they were the first people I actually came out to after I came out mm-hmm. to myself. And they were like, oh, we, uh, we already knew. And I was just like, what? And they're like, yeah, we... We already knew. Like you read too much you read too much girl ex girlfriend fiction for me not to think you didn't have any interest in this. And I was just like, you need to back off of my ships. <laughs> but um I feel like nobody yeah. in high school knew. And I I don't know what nobody in high school knew, but everybody that I met after high school knew right away when I told them. They're like, Yeah, I'm not surprised. Except for like two people. Like my best friend Melanie, bless her, had no idea. <laughs> no wow. Idea. And like after I'd already been out for like many years and like she just had no idea. And I don't know. I like I feel like I feel like now people can tell because I have short hair and like I tend to wear a lot of like button ups and like boots and like just not traditionally very stereotypically feminine things. So and I live in LA. So I feel like a lot of people can figure it out but for whatever reason nobody nobody knew and I don't know why my parents had no idea but they knew 100% for my sister I mean from what you said your sister would grow a mustache if she could and I'm not saying this is the same thing for every lesbian but it's usually it's usually a pretty big sign it was was pretty obvious I mean this this was before the great mustache craze back in the (laughs) back in a couple of years ago because it actually wasn't that long ago <laughs> I think I actually think mustaches are still cool these days. I think I so. Think maybe I don't. I'm not hip. I don't know. I stopped. I stopped paying attention to what men did a long time ago. So I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know. Um. 
so we just outed ourselves as a big, uh, this is a ladies' household, we don't, we don't care what anybody else does, tits or get the fuck out. I mean, what? <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. Anyway, is it common knowledge that your third book's coming out, or are you waiting to announce that? Uh, no, it is common knowledge. There's actually a preview at the end of the second book of the first <gasps> chapter. That leaves you on quite the cliffhanger, oh I will my say. God. And no spoilers, but the third one is my favorite. <laughs> oh my god. Do you want to talk about what that one's about, or are you just like, no, nope, you I have mean, to read the first two? You gotta read the first two. Uh, I will say the third one takes place outside, um, after college. So after, I feel like it's the three most dramatic points of your young life. <laughs> your senior year of high school, your freshman year of college, and then, like, post-grad like early post-grad and um I will say it also has my favorite romantic comedy trope in it I won't say what that is but I really like that and then it's just uh things get pretty dramatic for Molly and or for Carly and her her girl Molly but who's to say what that means (laughs) I mean I asked the question, and I shouldn't be surprised that I get no answer. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I don't. I don't want to spoil it. The first chapter gives you a lot as to where Carly is after you haven't seen her in a while, and things aren't great. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of life in a nutshell. But ah, uh, yes. that just that makes me excited for the third book, though. When is it? I'm is really it excited? I'm gonna put it out. I'm gonna go to Clexicon again next year. <gasps> Uh, so I'm going to put it out right before Clexicon again, like I did with the second one. Uh, so that's what, April? The third yes. book was actually written before the second book. So I've been sitting on this one for a while. How do you do that? How do you write things out of order? Like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. That's that's the reason why I haven't finished Harry Potter yet. It's because I can't do things out of order. It's, I can't. I mean, like the first book, I knew what it was. I knew I wanted it to be like the story of how she gets the girl. Like just the quintessential teen romantic comedy. If you want to play a drinking game during this podcast, take a shot every time I say romantic comedy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, it's fine if they're drunk by this point that I don't have to feel bad about how I've tripped over this whole interview. (laughs) Um. So yeah, like the first one, I knew what I wanted. I knew that that was it. And the third one is the same thing. I was like, I know how this is going to end. I know that this big dramatic thing that I deeply love in movies is going to happen 100%. And I know that how I'm going to get there in the span of the third book. How I'm going to get from the first book to the third book, I had no idea. Oh my God. That one was like pulling teeth. And bless my mother for dealing with me because I would just tell her that I was writing it but but then I started a whole other book that has nothing to do with this book series instead of writing the second book I bet she never counted on having to take her homework or to take her work home excuse me She, she's, I mean, like, I like the second book a lot, and, like, I like it when I actually decided to focus on it, but it was just a book that I didn't know what it was going to be before I had written it. I think the other thing I really enjoy about your books are, like, the titles, because they're, they, them in themselves are pop culture references, and it's really hilarious. Like, when I received both of your books, like, the first thing that came to mind 
Was that your first book was, right, Burn Before Reading, and the other one was I Didn't Start the Fire? And I'm like, are you sure you told her to burn it? <laughs> yeah, it's a little, and I do love Billy Joel, so I, that's kind of, the second one is a little bit about Billy Joel. And then the first one, I wanted, the third one's called Burn After Reading. But oh, shit. I, <laughs> Did I fuck that up? No, 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 you're right, you're right. The first one's Burn Before Reading. Oh, no. The second one is I Didn't Start the Fire, and the third one is Burn After Reading. Originally, I wanted it to be Burn After Reading for the very first one, but Mom was like, it'll get lost with that George Clooney movie, and I was like, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So let's keep it for the third one. Anyway, so nice to read a book where it, it is legit about being gay and not about everything else that people think being gay is about like the, mm-hmm. like people think being gay is about coming out and then having a girlfriend and then disappearing yep because that's, that's that's just it. kind of it that's just kind of it which is really crazy and it's just so sad that only recently we've gotten to see the point after that that we've gotten yeah. to see them be together we got to see them being happy which is actually one of the things that Buffy the vampire slayer kind of touched on because when one of the main characters comes out as gay and actually gets a girlfriend there is a like an actual relationship that stays throughout the seasons mm-hmm. until mm, spoiler alert one of them dies oh but, i do know that i've seen yeah. that episode <laughs> well how did you watch that episode but not the rest of it because my sister like i've seen the musical episode probably 15 times i mean that I is have, the best episode i will fight you just pick and choose i mean i had no context so I was like this is weird I then I apologize for your experience because you literally saw the best episode and the worst episode and it's just like no wonder you never gave it a chance you were just like I'm done I'm done um, we're just such polar opposites she watched that she watched all of Joss Weed and stuff so she watched Firefly she watched I don't know what else but like all that and then I was over there watching my OC and my One Tree Hill (laughs) I saw your Gilmore Girls reference, and I was just like, this whole book makes sense now. I love Gilmore Girls. I love Alexis Bledel so much in Handmaid's Tale. I texted four people when she showed up in the second season with glasses and married to Clea Duvall. Oh, my God. That just just blew my mind that that happened, because I was like, I remember her and Jennifer's wedding, and I will say this right now, I don't hold anything against that movie even though I know the entirety of the you know queer women community is like how could you even speak anything good about that movie well let me just say that movie was not for us all right that movie was for the parents that were getting over the fact that their kids were gay but besides the point the fact that she was in that movie and then she was in Handmaid's Tale as a queer woman again I was just like she obviously learned something because that first movie was didn't quite do anything like there was no chemistry between them at all I was just like I wonder how awkward that was for her to be like I mean I don't I don't blame her if I got a chance to be kissing Catherine Heigl yes that was it I mean if I had a chance to be kissing her by all means I would just go into the movie anyway but it was just like oh I appreciate what they were trying to do with the movie I just wish they had tried to get more chemistry and less huge stars just to be playing it anyway i see she obviously learned she obviously learned from her she learned and like honestly my favorite part of jenny's wedding is uh kevin heigl's sister 
who like goes through like the low key breakdown about her grass watering grass. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what? Me and my wife joke all the time that that movie should have been called Anne's Grass because that was a more progressive freaking story. Like, I love the. Oh my god! I'm like I so think... happy I'm talking to you right now. I honestly think that I put in a grass and Jenny's wedding reference in book two. I genuinely think oh my that I did. God. I Once I remember. find it, I'm going to highlight it. And I'm, I'm like, I've done my best not to take pictures of your book because I feel like that's very disrespectful to writers to like, oh, no, I love it. I love I, it. I, I, my, book, my books look like they've been dumped out of a truck, run over. Like, that's how I know that a book has been loved and read. I don't, I don't like pristine covers and things like that. Like, my favorite book of all time looks like it was genuinely dumped through a sewer. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? What is this book so I can read it? Uh, it's called Codename Verity. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Read that book, and then you can, like, read my book. But, like, Codename Verity <laughs> is, <laughs> is more important. It's about these two young women, like, mid-20s-ish in uh, World War Two, and one's a pilot. And then one, you don't know uh, kind of what she does at first, but she's captured by uh, the Nazis in France. And it's kind of her telling the story to her captor and like it's told in flashbacks and present day and it's all intermixed and it made me like openly cry on a plane. And like, it's very, very uh, queer. And like, it's, oh, God, I love Codename Verity. It's fantastic. I'm going to actually have to read that book. You said you said queer, and I was already there, and it's a sad statement of my life, but that's how you get me to do anything. You're just like, there's gay ladies in it. I'm like, I'm there. I mean, I'm it's there. Like, it's not explicitly, because again, she's not to her German Nazi captor, so she's not going to be like, I was in love with this girl. Of course like, not. That's irrelevant. But then, exactly. <laughs> They're like, we want information about the war, not your girlfriend. <laughs> but <laughs> she gets a, um, the writer, the woman that wrote it, wrote a prequel of one of the main characters from Codename Verity. And it's like about her growing up in like her teens before the war and kind of how she gets to be the person that you know her in Codename Verity. And in that, it is explicitly queer. So like, it's, it's very much there, like subtext that's like very obvious <laughs> in Codename Verity. But again, she's not going to be talking about a girlfriend to her Nazi captors. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a smart idea. Like I'm all, I'm all for out and proud, but you know, I hate to say it, but there's a time in the place. <laughs> but no, it's fantastic. That's, that's my favorite book of all time. I bought it on a whim because I needed a book to read on a plane for like $5 at an airport bookstore. And it's been my favorite book. I read it all the time. That's amazing. That's so wild. What airport was this at? <laughs> um, Orlando. Shout out to MCO. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's cool, though. That's cool that you can just find that at an airport. It's so, it's so great when you can, like, stumble upon that stuff now. Because I remember the days when you had to really, if you wanted to find anything remotely queer, you had to, like, search for it. I don't think, I think it's, like, not obviously queer enough that because I think I honestly think it's Disney's publishing company what? which yeah I think it's Hyperion which I think is Disney's publishing but 
the way that she talks about the girl in the book, it's very, very obvious. And then it is just straight up, she kisses some girls in her prequel book. Uh, oh, you mean she doesn't get the girl at the end? I mean, it is the war. <laughs> she is I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So, like, I'm willing to let this book slide on, like, some of my needs. Because it's, oh, it's so well written. And, like, the twists and turns and... I think it'd be a fantastic miniseries, but I, it came out but a couple, couple, six, seven years ago maybe, and it nothing's really. I don't know if the movie rights have been sold or anything, but I highly recommend it. Uh, keep me updated if the movie rights do get <laughs> sold. Uh, it makes me kind of think of like fried green tomatoes. Like it's like on that list of lesbian movies to watch, but I'm just like, why is that movie there? And they're just like, because you know they're lesbians. I'm like, well, you know they're lesbians in Xena, but nobody says it. Like I someone haven't seen Xena either. Hmm. I haven't seen Xena either. No, that's fine. I I literally I remember watching it in my childhood, like sparingly. Because my mother was like, you're not allowed to watch three things in this house. You can't watch Xena, you can't watch Buffy, you can't watch X-Files. And I was okay with the X-Files one, because later on in life, I actually was like, you know what, I'm a grown adult, I can do whatever my mother told me not to do. <laughs> and I started watching X-Files, and like, after watching like maybe four episodes in a row, I had problems sleeping, and I was like, okay, she was right. <laughs> it's like one of those moments when you're like, okay, my parents were right, this, this is creepy as hell. Uh, Scully was the reason to keep watching. Um, but basically, it, it's only when you like you know look back at it later on in life that you were just like, oh wow, those like the subtext is so hardcore. Like someone actually yeah. put together all of the gifts of them kissing in any context, whether it be <laughs> the breath of life or just like a friendship kiss or just anything. And it was like there was a lot of gifts there. I just wish I could like be in the room, like the because producers and like showrunners and like people had to sign off on that and they're like yeah this isn't gay like they're all straight like you're just looking at them like what what are you talking about I just it's wild I I hear they wanted to make it happen but they were too afraid at the time and I'm like I get it it was the 90s you had to make people like incredibly incredibly close to each other and just be like no they're friends they're friends no, no everything's fine I mean, they still do that now, though. And oh, yes, they like... do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, Pitch Perfect is the first one that comes to mind. Ah! I remember watching that movie and being sorry. so angry. I was so angry because I was like, oh, my God, this is it. I was like, here's my teen rom-com. I found it. They're going to get together. And oh, I was no! so excited. And then I was devastated. And I remember telling everybody that I hated that movie for like a good two months and then I watched it again and I was like I mean this is really good but I'm also bitter I feel you like I actually didn't even watch the movie I still haven't watched it my my wife watched two of them and then she saw the trailers for it and it was just like pure 100% unadulterated queer baiting and she yeah. saw that and she's like I cannot believe they actually did that like it's so yeah out there it's like we're not afraid of homophobes and i'm like but you're queer you're clearly afraid of being gay right. like you are the third very one... afraid of taking that final step and that was it was really heartbreaking like i know i know capitalism is a monster but whoa there yeah. whoa there honey don't feed that monster after midnight all right then we can't have this anymore <laughs> 
it's just i mean it's the same thing like men like beckham though where like the scripts and especially pitch perfect the first one because two and three they're a hundred percent playing into it because they know that's what a good chunk of the audience wants and like so i have issues with that i also saw pitch perfect three very very drunk and pitch perfect two after i've been awake for 36 hours so wow <laughs> dedication i mean clearly <laughs> but like pitch perfect one and uh uh, what's it called? Then, like Beckham, they seem to have been written with queer love stories, and then all of a sudden, like the studio exec is like, "Wait a minute, no, write a man in," because the dudes are always so boring, so uninteresting, and they just seem to have a weird side part with like two scenes with the main character, and then they're supposed to be together. It's that's, very odd. That's one of the things I don't understand of like straight rom coms. Like if you really. If you break down a lot of the scenes with the characters, it's like, you guys don't even like each other for half no. of the movie, and I'm supposed to believe no. that you're in love? Like, no, they all hate each other. They hate each other. Not only they hate each other, but they're usually equally terrible people. Like, yeah. I... Woof! Like, what was it? What was it? Um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Like, people will come after me for saying that that's not a great movie to be dissing they'll be like that movie was perfect but no no they're they're equally terrible people they're awful i just watched it for the first time like a month ago because i have like a weird childhood crush still on um kate hudson because i watched almost famous when i was young (laughs) but like that movie is so bad they just hate each other they just spend all their movie like all of their time treating each other horribly and then all of a sudden Kate Hudson puts on a yellow dress and then Matthew McConaughey's like all right let's do this and you're like what was this movie for two hours it's like it's like you guys dropped like jumped over the part where you actually fell in love like you you jumped over the part where there was where there was that meaningful moment where you guys were like you know what I think I've been misreading my feelings this whole fucking time and it turns out I've actually just really wanted to be married to you like okay that was something that honestly was like kind of in the back of my head because I feel like a lot of times when you have um two women on like a tv show or something where they actually uh start dating and it and they're not established as queer right off the bat Um, I mean like in the 100 which I also never watched um (laughs) but in the 100 and in the runaways when they ended up uh being with a girl it was it blindsided the audience. The audience were like, "What do you mean they could possibly kiss a girl? What do you mean Clark is pos- capable of doing this? What 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 are you talking about?" Because I feel like a lot of times, straight people just have to look at each other across the room, and we're like, "Great, we know at the end of the movie these two people are going to be together." Fantastic. I hate that. But there's no there's no build up to it. There's no like, here's scenes that we get the meet cute, and then we get them hating each other for an hour. And then realizing that they can't live without the other one for no apparent reason. And then they run through an airport and they end up together. But then if you have like clear signs in shows and like, especially the runaways, because I kind of attend to like comics. So I watched the runaways adaptation, but you had like these moments where it's very obvious and her name is escaping me. I know Nico is one, but I forget what the blonde girl's name Carolina. is. Carolina. That's what Maybe it it's Caroline. I might be projecting something really strange, but that's yeah, Lucy and this guy. Yeah, yeah. 
you have moments where she's looking at Nico in like a very sweet, lovesick way. And like the moments are subtle, but they're there where you see her like processing and working through her feelings and like becoming aware that she has a crush on Nico. And then people were still blindsided. So then like when I was writing this book, I was like, shoot, <laughs> I want to have like clear distinctions that like the two of them have something between them that warrants them getting together because I didn't, I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times for lesbian couples and for queer couples, like you need to have that. And even then people are still going to be like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> now with the runaways, I can understand that because they were expecting it to be, as you said, an adaptation off of the comic book. And in the comic book, they they didn't really get together after she told Nico about her crush like that right. that blindsided me because I wasn't expecting it because I was just no, like oh no. they're gonna follow after the comments like I know they're like mixing it up but the fact that they went above and beyond and were like yeah we're just gonna go ahead and make this canon I like screamed at a <laughs> like at a freaking octave that apparently scared all of my animals at the same time and my wife was like oh my god have you killed yourself <laughs> and and it was just yeah, people were shocked beautiful. not that not they weren't shocked that they became canon they were shocked that she didn't end up with the the boring dude alex like they, spoiler no, alex. alert spoiler alert uh, are you talking about the I'm talking about the the what's his face? We're not talking about Alex. We're not talking Nico, about Alex. Nico and Alex actually did get together for a time. Right. Spoiler alert. And that's what I expected to happen. And then it didn't happen and I was like, "Wait a minute." It's like they yeah. were reading my mind. <laughs> like we didn't want to but see I, this. I think people were just shocked that Carolina Carolina oh whatever. Lucy in the blonde. sky. We'll just call her Lucy <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> the glowing rainbow girl. <laughs> um, they're just shocked. I remember like seeing a whole bunch of comments being like, how could she be gay? She liked the lacrosse boy. The lacrosse boy. Chase. Oh, who's... What? Was it Chase? Chase? Maybe? I Maybe? don't know. <laughs> I only watched it once and I like it went out of my brain. Ah. Like, they were just shocked that she didn't end up with him because he clearly liked her so much. You know, I just... I just really, I don't want to be this person because I know it takes me to a dark place, but I just want to look at some th those people and go, how does it feel? <laughs> like, how does it feel to have this happen all the time where you see two people together and you're like, yeah, they're going to get together. Look how much they love each other. And then they get swooped away by someone else out of right field because the showrunner decides that they need more time because that character better represents the male audience that's watching your show sucks doesn't it oh my god how does it feel but that's toxic behavior and we should be more sympathetic no. um <laughs> ugh, that was a lot of supergirl references there <laughs> I have a lot of opinions on Supergirl. <laughs> I'd be like, that should be tabled because that could go on for four more hours. Man, it sh it'll have to be because literally Harold or lesbians have covered that all over the place. And I, I love watching their live tweets. That's what I live for because I don't yeah. watch the show anymore. It's just like, tell me how you feel about him. Be merciless. It's, it's awful. I showed a friend of mine 
I was like, listen, I know you hate superheroes, but like, I just need you to watch just like a couple of the scenes of like Kara and Lena. And she was like, okay. And so then she watched them and she's like, silly enough together, right? And I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> and yet, here we are. You know, that's actually really funny because my, my wife, we, we watched season one and we loved it. We loved everything about it. And then we just yep. kind of didn't watch season two until it was all out because we're, we're bingers. We can't mm-hmm. wait till next week anymore. It's against our code. Right. <laughs> and um, she, we, she was like, I don't get why everyone's talking about Supercore. Like, I don't understand this because we were huge, like Kara and Kat, you know? And just, oh, I was never on that bandwagon. I mean, I didn't want to be. And then it happened. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Anyway, and so I actually had her watch a couple of scenes with it, and she had the same, she had, like, the same reaction. Literally, she watched, like, five minutes of their scenes, and it was just, like, a fan video. And she literally sat there, and she's like, so when do they kiss? (laughs) (laughs) Are they going to kiss? When do they kiss? (laughs) And she's like, we can't watch this show, honey. And I'm just like, we'll watch it separate. It's fine. It's insane. It's genuine. And it makes me feel terrible because I like them and I think they've much more like I like them a lot more than Alex and Maggie and that's not Alex and Maggie's fault that's the poor writing and the sidelining of Maggie entirely but like they're just so in I love Cara and Lena I could give an entire TED talk about them I could give one on Glee like it's bad talk about core ladies for like ever and ever and ever and ever and I would be very happy about it although it's actually kind of late here, and I hate to be an old person and say, no. uh, I need to go to work in the morning, but <laughs> it's all good. I do. I do. So if there's anything else you would like to talk about? I don't think so. I think that covers a lot. All right. So would you like to make an official announcement about your third book? Or, I mean, we already talked about it. Y- yes, it is uh, called Burn After Reading. It is coming out in April of two, 2019. Uh, I will be at ClexCon again next year because it was great this year. It was a lot of fun. And I hope to see you there because I'm, I'm going to do my damnedest to actually make it there this year. Oh, it's or so next year. Good. It's so good. It was great. I mean, I didn't leave the table. I didn't go to any of the panels or anything because I felt like I would be leaving my child. Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> But it was fun. It was so much fun. Everybody there was so, so, so nice. Oh, I hope, I so hope I get to go there. Like, I so, I'm going to make it happen. There's no, I don't hope. It's, I'm going to make it happen. Because just like, just like you made something happen in your life that you feel like you needed, I'm going to try to make that happen. I'm going to steal some of that mojo from you just a little bit. I mean, you can steal it. This year, one of my New Year's resolutions was to be on a podcast. So thank you. (gasps) Checked one you off. are shitting me. No, I mean, you don't have dream. to flatter me anymore. You're already here. <laughs> it was my dream uh, to be on a podcast. Well, I hope I didn't disappoint because my podcast no, is great. all over the place. This was great. I mean, where else can I talk about queer women and Alex Cornicelli? Yes, I would talk about her for another 30 minutes, but I feel like people would start I don't know. They'd it probably turn us off after. <laughs> it'd be like maybe fifteen minutes into it. It's like, can these people talk about anything else other than plating and presentation and angry 
women telling people they can't cook and i'm like no absolutely not i have opinions on the anti-griddle okay and they need to be heard people need to hear about them you know you know what i actually would like to talk about this is a controversial subject but i feel like they like sabotage the equipment on purpose hundred percent. The ice cream machine's always messed up. Always. always. It's like, did they get the ice cream machine from McDonald's? Why doesn't it work? <laughs> it's always messed up. And it never makes any sense. Because it always melts by the time they played it. And I'm like, what are it you doing? It doesn't melt. Like, do you? I, I just don't know. Like, I, you know, it's so funny. I watch competitive cooking shows from that were made in other countries. Let me tell you, there is a world of difference between competitive cooking shows in America and co- competitive cooking shows like anywhere else like British British take off oh my god I adore adore that one we're not we're not gonna talk about the British (laughs) bake off in this house because I will not go to sleep (laughs) there will be no sleep but there's such a world of a difference and that's gonna Mm -hmm. let's let that be another podcast but I swear to god I watched that Australian one about desserts not a single freaking item broke or didn't work or any of that until the contestant literally dropped it on the ground and broke it. See, like Americans, they're sabotaging. They're doing everything. Something. There must be drama. <laughs> we have to have a four course meal and two and like literally twenty minutes go. Like the freaking British people, they're just like, okay, you have four hours to make this cake. Have some tea. You'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be fine. Tell us about your whole process. Tell us about your childhood. Freaking America stuff is just like you have. Literally, it's insanity. Like, the, you get stressed out watching American cooking shows yeah. while it's just like, yeah. good God. And then whenever they ask them things, they're like, who hurt you? And these people are like, so here's my tragic life story. Like, and then all the judges are like, thank you. Your like, meal was dry. Exactly. It's like, you didn't tell me that story just to make the judges cry into your spaghetti because you forgot to add salt, right? Because... <laughs> Oh, gosh. I hate that. I hate when they're like, let me tell you why I deserve this. And I'm like, I don't need to hear this. Cook. Cook for me. Unless it's a lesbian. And I'm always like, yes, you need the $10,000 to propose to your wife. A hundred percent. Man. Ugh. I just. We need to say goodnight. (laughs) Because I will not go to bed at this rate. Because I'm incredibly passionate about freaking competitive cooking same okay that's all my twitter is oh my god that i need to follow you then i need to follow you if that's what your twitter is because i it's happening i'm gonna i'm hitting the follow button now but while i'm hitting the follow button why don't you tell other people where they can find you yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at captain ameripug uh like captain america but with a pug instead because Pugs are better. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find me online at tinacacadellis.com. I can spell that last name for you. It's K-A-K-A-D-E-L-I-S. <laughs> I, that is one of the things I had the hardest time spelling. I literally tried to spell your whole name in a tweet, and I had to go back and look at it like four or five times, and then it turns out that had nothing to do with your Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no. I literally... <laughs> It's been 20 minutes trying to time that in, and then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was, yeah, the first day of school was always like, uh, Tina, and then silence. And I'd be like, it's Cacadellus. Thank you. Oh, my God. So, 
Thank you so much, Tina, for joining us. I I apologize to anyone who thought they were coming into this for a professional interview because I am clearly incapable. But you know what they say, it's really the company that makes the party. And I definitely think you bring the party, Tina. Thank you. I am wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So there you go. She's painted that picture for you. Are you really wearing a Hawaiian shirt? I'm genuinely wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now. Well, then, I will keep my comments to myself. <laughs> anyway, so I, I really hope everyone goes out and tries to read her book. I mean, where, where can you find your book? Oh, yeah, that's important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's on Amazon. It's available through uh, ebook, Kindle, Reader, if you have it, um, paperback, too. The first one's called Burn Before Reading, and the second one is called I Didn't Start the Fire. Which I call lies on that, but okay, it's up for debate. <laughs> but, uh, no spoilers. Getting, getting the physical copy is actually pretty worth it. It's pretty nice to have this, this feeling of going back into the past and then to have the book in you. It's just a really, it's a really nice experience, but to those who don't like physical books, that's fine. I'm sure Kindle is just as enjoyable. I'm not judging anyone. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Thank you so much for dealing with me while I'm half asleep for this podcast. And thank you so much for joining. It's been so fun. So wonderful. And you know what? We will see everyone again very soon. Are you done? Sorry. It's, it's party hour down there. Um, she's still going after that cord. I'm about to, about to lock her up somewhere. I love you, kitty, but this can't happen anymore. Anyway. Sorry, my cat hit the thing and literally tried to turn my camera on. Pardon me. Monster! Anyway. Wait a minute, how did you get out of that room? Actual door. How did you get out? Okay. Okay, my wife is making signals at me, which means she let her out. Okay. I was having like a crisis there. I was like, I have rescued a Houdini cat and I cannot have this in my life. Okay, that was. We got off topic. I'm so sorry.